The main road is easy, roomy and wide, with broad turns and broad lanes and parallel lines. No rivers or valleys or mountains to climb, with speed limits so fast they blur together your time. But you didn't choose the main path, the narrow road was your journey. Though the cost was much higher, the reward was far worth it. You didn't let your eyes wander, you stayed true to your plan. Every blessing you had came in and out of your hands. You didn't close your heart off, you went under the knife. Let relationships in, and God Lord of your life. And at the end of it all, when you look at your heart, and your worries seem strangely dim, you'll think how you chose to surrender your life, and you know you'll be glad that you did. Good morning. Well, glad to have you here this morning. Um, just a, a quick side note. I had this brilliant idea a couple of months ago that I could teach at two campuses on the same weekend. So I've been going back and forth between here and Highlands Ranch campus. And last night, not that big of a deal, 4 o'clock here, 6 o'clock there. But this morning, it was 9 o'clock here, 10 o'clock there, and be back here for a service that started at 1045. And I asked myself on the way back over here, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> what seemed like such a good idea just a little while ago was, uh, was crazy. I literally, I walked in that back door, put the mic pack on and walked to the front, sat down and up I come. So glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, and I can tell you, I know the message frontwards, backwards, sideways. So we'll, we'll jump right into it. Uh, get your notes out in just a second. We'll go there. The only uh, real housekeeping item I have uh, take a moment and just talk about this. At all of our campuses this weekend in our foyer, we've made room, actually set up a place where you can go, grab this book. This has to do with all of our small groups inside of JFC. So you heard Marcus just a moment ago talk about our D-Track. Here's our hope, whether you're new, whether you've been here as long as I have, we hope that you'll go through D-Track. We think it's the most um, easy and uh, less problematic way for you to find community and connection inside of our church. And by the way, if you come here, you like the message, or you like worship, or it's just convenient because of where you live, that's great. We're happy for that. We work hard for that. But the truth of the matter is, if you go to church, what's supposed to happen is community and connection. Do you agree with that statement? So we're doing everything we can, and we're prioritizing what that looks like inside of our church, and that's the D-Track. But let's say that right now you can't be involved in D-Track, or let's say that, hey, uh, I don't want to have to wait a month to get involved. What, what can I do? So this morning, uh, stop by, grab this booklet. You'll be shocked at how many small groups that we have. And they're really cool because they're free market approach to small groups. In other words, they're not all the same. They're not all cookie cutter. They meet at different times. They meet over different types of needs. Where some, some are like uh, empty nester groups. Some meet over, uh, over hobbies and, and, and different common interests. Some are for people with young children. The only one we don't have is a Broncos group that meets together. That might be a pretty cool group. You just go watch the Bronco group and praise the Lord, hopefully, every time that you, you do it. Uh, hopefully, they'll be much praising next week and not gnashing of teeth. We'll see what happens. Okay. But anyway, um, so what, what I'd like you to do, stop out there and grab this. Um, as, as much as I want you to enjoy our church, here's what I want for you more than anything else. I want you to grow spiritually if you're going to be in our church, and I want you to connect while you're here. That means I want you here for a long period of time. Hear this from me. I don't want you just to grow. I want you here for a long period of time. You matter to us, and we want you here in this church and it's not enough for me to say it. This is the way that it happens. You have to connect. You have to get into community. Folks, we can present every opportunity. You've got to take that next step for it. Please grab this. If you know that you know, you can actually sign up today. But if you want to pray about it, if you want to look them over, that's what this is for. Please take a moment. Stop out there. There are plenty for people. And uh, I think you'll be glad you did. How about that right there? Okay, uh, let's jump into the, uh, to the message. It's actually the last message 
in our series, You'll Be Glad You Did. Here's the takeaway from this series that we're hoping for everyone. The one thing that we want to have happen for every person, regardless of where they're at in life, these two things. We want you to be able to make better decisions, and we want you to live with fewer regrets. Can everybody agree that's a good idea right there? Better decision and fewer regrets. I said from the very beginning, the problem with regrets is that it never comes with a sign saying, I'm a regret. It always comes with the idea that right now this seems like the right decision or it's the easiest decision or this isn't really going to get me later on. The truth of the matter is, man, you have to make the right decisions so you don't have the regrets. Really, the nature of this message makes it one that we're talking about things you have to do currently in order to have it go well for you in the future. So let me, let me do it this way. Much of the life you're living right now is based on the decisions you made yesterday. Do you agree with that? And if you're saying, well, not, it wasn't just me, I'll give you this. Much of the life we live right now may not be just our decisions. It may have been other decisions of people who had influence in our life that they made. But one way or the other, the decisions that were made yesterday influence our today. Do you agree? Yes. If that's true, then how about this? The decisions we make today then influence our tomorrow. So you've got to make good decisions today so that you have fewer regrets tomorrow. And that's the nature of this message. So when we wrote it a couple of weeks ago, as it just percolated in my heart, here was the title. I'm going to switch it up and twist it just a little bit. You'll be glad you didn't quit. So if some of you are like, that messes up my whole series because it's positive. You'll be glad you did. All right, I'll say it again. You'll be glad you didn't quit. How about that? Does that help to make it easier for you? I, thinking about this, when I, when I just was thinking about, okay, I'm going to teach this, Everything we teach, we want to be things that filter through our lives, that we actually live, that we're doing. Not things that we read about or things that we heard someone else teach, but things that we're doing. Things that we know. Look, we can say this with authority because it works in us. And if it doesn't work in us, we don't say it. So this is a message. When I think about, I'm glad that I didn't quit, let me give you two examples. Chris and I just had our 32nd anniversary in December. 32 years is a long time to be married. Do you agree? I mean, today it's like 132 years. So that's, you know... And she probably feels it more than I do, to be honest with you. She made it much easier for me. The bottom line is, like any marriage, just because we're pastors, because we're believers, that has nothing to do with the fact that we face problems. There have been many times along the road in our marriage where we were just simply at the point of bankruptcy with each other, where we didn't feel like we had the margin or the ability to give anymore. And we have said worthless things to priceless people. Have you ever done that right there? Things like, I just... I can't do this anymore with you, and I don't want to go any further with you, and people will understand if we call it quits. It's just too much pressure. I mean, all the different times that we said to each other, let's quit. I'm going to tell you the truth. I am so glad I can stand up here and say right now to you, I'm glad I didn't quit. The best fruit I reap in my life right now are from the relationships that I've had the longest, that I put the most into, and I'm glad I didn't quit. Let me give you one more. Pastoring this church, like any business, like anything that you do, we face the same thing, but let me just give you this added conundrum. We totally deal with people in everything that we do. How many of you know that's like hurting cats sometimes? It's very, people have their own minds about, you know, even sometimes you just find that uh, at some points people like everything that you're doing, and then at other times they don't like anything that you're doing. Can you imagine? Sometimes people are like, this is the greatest church in the world, and other times it's like, this is the worst church in the world. Sometimes they think it's a great church, and I'm like, this is the worst church in the world. It's just up and down. The pressure to feel like, I just want to quit. You ever been there in a job? I want to quit. I can't do it anymore. I'm sick of it. I can't take it. This, this is horror. I don't want to die. How many times I've been at that point? I just want to quit. I am so glad I didn't quit. I'm so glad I'm standing here right now in front of you. This is my church. These are my people. 
and I'm reaping such good fruit in my life because I didn't quit. Okay, philosophically, that's true, but does the scripture say the same thing? Look at this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. This is actually a life verse. I use this, I hold on to this, I quote this to myself over and over and over again. Here's what Paul writes to this church, so it's written to believers. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Say the last five words out loud with me. If we don't give up. One more time. If we don't give up. So here's what Paul is saying. God promises us a harvest of blessing in our life. All the things you've been praying for, all the promises of God, all of the good intentions that the scripture lays out for us that God wants to do, God promises you, you will reap those things in your life if you do one thing. You can't quit. Another way to say it is, if you want to mess up God's promises, if you want to mess up what he has for you, here's the one thing you can do to do it, quit. You can do everything else wrong. You can be up and down in your faith. Anybody ever go up and down in faith? Three of us. Let me tell you, that Highlands Ranch bunch, they're a bunch of sinners over there. You guys, those guys are like, it's us, pastor. You guys are obviously much more sophisticated. I, me, I go up and down in my faith sometimes. I, I have been all over the place. There's times I've said to God, I just I cannot understand that. I don't, why are you doing that? That doesn't mess up God's promises. The only thing that messes up God's promises is if you quit. It's the one thing you cannot do. You cannot quit. So the title of this message just simply is, you'll be glad you didn't quit. All right, so we're writing it. We're putting it together. We sort of, because we reversed the title, we reversed the thought process here. So, so let me, uh, three lies. Three lies every person believes before they quit. Three lies. Again, things that we look at in our own lives, not pointing at someone else, but pointing at ourselves. The first one just simply is this, and I do think, by the way, they're in order. I don't think they're random or scattered. I think they're in order. I think if you do one, then number two, and then number three is what happens. By the way, just so you know, so our staff gathers together to pray for you before we teach anything. And here's the staff's prayer. I, I promise you this is exactly how we prayed last night. That if a person finds themselves at level one, the beginning of quitting, we pray that God will arrest right now that thought process, that, that false thing, and that God will just quickly put your feet right back on the track. So no harm, no foul. But maybe you're a little farther in the process and you find yourself maybe in the middle of the juncture of quitting. You know, sometimes we don't call giving in quitting but giving in is virtually the same thing as quitting. We haven't given up, but we've given in. And we're not going anyplace. So what's our prayer for you? That you would find the mercy of God restore to you what the devil's talked you out of. But maybe the third one is just simply you found yourself at the point of, I quit. I don't give a rip anymore. I don't care how it turns out. In fact, it wouldn't really matter to me. Maybe you're not even hearing this message in a church. Maybe you're hearing it on a living room or in a car. Maybe you're walking somewhere and someone just told you to listen to it. Maybe you're hearing it months after it was taught. It's not an accident. Because if you're at the point of quitting, then here's what we pray for you. That you would realize and understand that God is not the God of if only. He's the God of right now. Not, he never says if only you hadn't quit. Here's what he says. Right now, take my hand. He never says, if only you would have listened. Here's what he says. Right now, ask me for help. Amen. Aren't you glad he's the God of right now and not of if only? Yes. I am. In my life, 
He's like the God of a second chance for the thousandth time. How about that right there? <laughs> so the first lie you have to believe before giving up is just simply this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't think anybody ever says to themselves, it doesn't matter. At least they don't say it in those words. You know, here's the truth of the matter. When your head's involved only in the situation and it's a good decision, you can make a good decision pretty easy by just telling yourself, do the right thing. But have you ever noticed when you have to start selling yourself? That it's usually a bad decision you're having to sell yourself. And there are people in this room who are like, I could sell. I, I said it the wrong way at Highlands Ranch. I said, uh, some of you couldn't sell ice in hell. And I got that reaction right there. Like, how could you say so? Okay, you couldn't sell jalapenos in Alaska. How's that? Is that better? Is that a better way? Some of you feel like, I just can't sell. How about this? You're the best salesman in the world when it comes to selling yourself on that idea sometimes. Yes. We can talk ourselves into anything once our hearts get involved in the situation. Once nothing is ever made in an emotional vacuum. No decision. Decisions are made when emotions get involved, and that's what can mess the whole thing up. So we'll have a little fun with it, and then I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to gut punch you, but I love you, and it'll end up in a good place before we're all done. So it doesn't matter. We never just say out loud it doesn't matter. We reason in our head. Let me give you this one. Anybody in this room know anybody that's ever made a dumb purchase? Is that a good way to say it or what? So last night, the first time I teach this, I say, anybody in here ever made a dumb purchase? Nobody. Anybody know anybody? Everybody, ah. And one guy goes like this to his wife, like this. And I said, sir, the dumb purchase was you, apparently, and you don't know what you're, what you're doing. Never admit that. Dumb purchases. You ever smelled a new car? You go to the dealership thinking to yourself, logically, here's what I can afford. I am not going to get anything past this right here. Here's why my budget is at. I don't want to put stress on it. And then you open the door. It's like crack. <laughs> i got to have more. And here's what you tell yourself. I don't just want this. I need it. How did you know? <laughs> and isn't that that's such a powerful word? But it's just a want. You can look. I want this. It's practical. It's logical. But once I need this happens, all logic goes. I need it. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter if I can't afford it. I'll figure it out when I get home. <sighs> so you drive the car home and it smells great. But then you make the first payment and you're like, Where was I going to get this money from? Why did anybody ever said? Why did I do this? Have you ever said this? How could I do this? I knew better than this. What happens? You made a decision. It doesn't matter. So look at me. Look at me. I want to hurt you, but I want you to do this. The most important thing that could happen for you in this message, be honest with yourself for a change. The worst lie we tell are the ones we tell to ourselves. They're the ones that we can convince ourselves of all sorts of things. Let's be honest with yourself for a change. You know what? Nothing changes till you get honest. By the way, even if you get honest, I don't expect you to do anything with it, but at least nothing can change until you get honest. Be honest. Let me go a little deeper with it. Okay, dumb purchases, that's funny. We've all done it at some level. We know how it works. How about this doomed relationships? You ever had one of those? Do you know somebody that's had one of those? <laughs> you know, you like the person, but all of a sudden you're like the person. And then someone tells you, gosh, you've really changed. And now you can't let go because your heart, somewhere you justified that relationship. I don't want it, but I need it. Maybe you're dating someone, a girl, and she can't let go of the old boyfriends. 
but you're emotionally attached, and here's what you tell yourself. It doesn't really matter. It's going to be okay. Guess what? Don't lie to yourself. So maybe it's a guy. Maybe he's physically abusive to you, but you need him because you don't want to be alone. So here's what you tell yourself. It doesn't matter. He'll change. Just be honest with yourself. Don't hate the messenger. Just listen for a moment. I think we've all been there. How about this? Destructive habits. Dumb purchases, doomed relationships, destructive habits. Usually when I say that, people think drugs or alcohol. Okay, but how about, how about, um, how about destructive spending habits in a person's life? That can be worse than drugs sometimes. Anybody know anybody that has destructive spending habits? So why do we live with the level of debt we live with in our life? Why do we keep going up without being satisfied with where we are? goes on inside of our this is in my notes not your notes when it comes to a destructive habit I mean the thought process is really interesting because you tell yourself hey it's just a pastime it's no big deal I got this it'll never master me but a pastime becomes a pathway and now it's not that you can't let go of it it can't let go of you and now you find yourself serving what you thought you would master and where did it begin? You told yourself, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be okay. I got it. Decisions matter, yes or no? Yes, they, they matter all day long. They matter all the time. Let me give you an illustration of decisions that may not be ours, someone else's decisions, but they affect us, a mom and a dad, and not just any but mine. 1967, and I'm three. And my father one day just decides he's done. Not divorce, not mutually separate, not you take this and I'll take this. He's done. He packs up everything we have and he leaves and we don't see him until I'm in my 30s. Let me expand on it. I got a little brother. So he left a two-year-old and a three-year-old with a woman who's uneducated, in poverty, in the deep south. You look at me and you're like, well, it turned out okay for you. You're a pastor. You have a family, five kids, seven grandkids. Big deal. You don't know what I had to overcome to stand where I stand right now. You don't know how many people I hurt because I didn't know better. How stupid is this to have children and have children ask you to play with them and not know how to do it. It took me three and four and five years to figure out how just to be a dad who played with his kids. You never know what you don't have till someone asks you to give something you can't give. That was the arc of my father's decision for my life. But let me go the positive. Here's a woman without anything except love in her heart for her kids who decided early on, I will not leave them. And a lesser woman could have easily justified and said it doesn't matter. They'd be better off with someone else. But she stuck by us and she loved us. How about this? Maybe my life is where it's at today, not only because of God, but because my mother made decisions when I was three years old that affected where I'm at in my life today. How about that right there? Amen. Decisions all around us, they matter all the time. Yes. So let me be personal and let me open my life to you a little bit. See if you can handle this. The best thing that can happen from this message is just to get real. And let me tell you how it happened to me. Several years ago, I went through a really weird episode with back trouble. Not just like it hurt or was sprained, but like a disc got bad. 
and I hurt all the time. And if you hurt all the time, listen to me, this is not condemnation, this is actually encouragement. Dude, hurting all the time changes your attitude at some level. At first, I went to all the doctors, and I did the injections, and I went to physical therapy, and I wore braces, and I did everything that they told me to do, and I only got worse. And then it was like, you're going to need surgery, and here's a bunch of pain meds. And the pain meds were okay initially because they did help, but for me, maybe not for you, but for me, here's what happened over the long haul. It dulled my mind and put me in a funk emotionally. And I just decided, I never said it out loud, but this is what I decided. Feeling the way I feel, having to live the way I live, it just doesn't matter. I don't want to be 70 and feel the way I feel. So if something happens to me in the meantime, I'm not suicidal and I don't have a death wish, but if something happens, I'm life insurance to the hilt. Doesn't matter. So I ate any way I wanted to eat. Never thought about it twice. And I'd stand up here and joke, this actually represents a life well lived. You know what it represented? A person who said it just doesn't matter what I do. I'd jump on my motorcycle and I would just go as fast as I could go. Not because I had a death wish, but because in the back of my mind, it just didn't matter. Just didn't want to go on like this. You okay? So what changes, Pastor? What what happened? There were several things. God's involvement in it. Getting better slowly. But ultimately it was this. A doctor who sat me down genetically. Gosh, today they can tell you far more than you want to know. You can go as deep with it as you want to go. And a doctor sat me down through an extensive test. And this is what he said to me. In the next 10 years of your life, so it's not 10 years from now because this happened a little while ago, but in the next 10 years of your life, John, the probability of you having a heart issue falls to less than 5% statistically. It's, it's just, don't even worry about it. But he said, strange enough, after 10 years, you fall into the highest category to have a major heart issue. And he said, when it happens, it will not just be a minor little thing. He said, dude, it will be a major event in your life. So my first response is, genetics suck. (laughs) Listen, my grandfather on my dad's side, who I didn't know until I got older, in his early 60s developed chronic heart failure and died from it. So I looked at this guy and I'm like, well, there's really nothing I can do then. And the guy said to me, this is not genetics, it's your choices right now, and you have a choice. You can walk out of here and act like it doesn't matter, or you can change your ways. But be honest with yourself. Ow. I sat down with my wife. It matters. It matters to her. My children, it matters to them. My grandchildren, they need me. My church, my church needs me. You know what? I need all of you too. And this was the most amazing thing that happened for me. It's slow. It's not where I want it to go, but I'm going up, not down. Listen to this. All of a sudden, the choice and everything I eat just became as simple as what's good for me versus what's bad for me because this got in my head. It matters. And it was so easy to change my behavior 
once I got honest with myself and said, it matters. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? It matters. A pretty familiar passage of Scripture from the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah. Let me just say this before I read it. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't read the Bible. Maybe you don't believe the Bible. And just because I read it, I'm not expecting you to believe it. But would you just open your mind for a second to hear what i got to say? Jeremiah 17, 9, this familiar scripture. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Think about that for a minute. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That's not great news. I've heard people quote that, and I've heard people preach on that, but I never heard anybody teach on where this comes from. It's Jeremiah's job in the Old Testament was that he served the kings of Israel. He advised them. And Jeremiah happened to live and serve these kings during a very difficult time in Israel's history. They had been warned by other prophets for literally years and years and years, if you don't stop going your own way, you're going to fall into the hands of judgment. And, and they would just tell him, here's what God has for you, but you're doing your own thing, and you're going the opposite direction where God wants you. And here's what it's going to look like. The people didn't listen, and eventually Babylon came and took Jerusalem. But Babylon didn't just crush Jerusalem. Here's what they decided to do. They put kind of a puppet king on the throne, and as long as Israel would pay tribute, a tax, to Babylon and wouldn't rise up against them, they would let Israel exist. So they have a little king named Jehoiakim. He's a young man. Jeremiah advised Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim, for a couple of years, paid the tribute, kept the peace. But then one day, Jehoiakim gets this thought in his heart. I don't have to do this anymore. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to cast off this tribute. We're not going to submit ourselves to Babylon. It's all going to be good. Jeremiah said, don't do it, dummy. God has done this. We have disobeyed until God's done with his purposes. This is where we are. Don't do this. It's not going to go well for you, but he wouldn't listen. It would be the equivalent of Lone Tree declaring war on the entire United States. How do you think it would go? <laughs> this little sliver of land called Israel declares war on the powers that be that time. It's all of that area. Babylon puts all of its might against Israel and they come to Jerusalem and they besiege it and they cut it off and they starve it and then they march right into the city. They take the king, they put him in golden chains, they bring him out to the middle of the city, they bring his family in front of him and they kill every one of them right in front of him and then they blind him so the last thing he saw was his family dying because of his decisions. And then they don't kill him. They bring him back to Babylon and they keep him locked in these chains in a jail. Some people collect cars some people collect shot glasses. Some people collect all sorts of... Nebuchadnezzar collected kings. He put them in a jail, and on big holidays in Babylon, he'd take all the kings of all the kingdoms he conquered, and he'd parade them through the street. And each king would have his hand on the other king because they were all blind as they walked through the streets. So Jehoiakim's gone. He falls into this way. Nebuchadnezzar puts another king on the throne... And that guy loves God, but after a little time, he decided, you know what? I'm not paying this tribute anymore. I'm going to stand up against Babylon. Now, he just saw what happened to his predecessor. Where does this come from? Why would this guy? And Jeremiah says, don't do it. It will not go well for you if you do it. Stop it. 
The guy wouldn't listen. And guess what? Babylon comes right into Jerusalem, put him in golden chains, bring his family out, kill all his family, blind him, and puts him in the king collection. God, what a wicked story. And then Jeremiah writes, the heart is deceitfully wicked and without cure. What is he trying to say? If you would have interviewed those kings after they did what they did, I bet they would have said to you, I can't believe I made such a bad decision. You ever said, how could I make such a bad decision? I'm going to tell you how. Your heart can deceive you. And here's the worst part. You can't get cured from it. You won't outgrow it. You won't get to be 75 and just suddenly make nothing but good decisions. You actually can be in your 80s and make bad decisions. Just because you get born again doesn't make you make good decisions all the time. Your heart can deceive you, yes or no. So what's our hope? That the Holy Spirit has to examine why we do what we do so he reveals to us, here's the truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Does this make any sense? God, our hope is not just like, okay, I'm going to examine my heart. Our hope is, God, show me my heart so I know why I'm thinking what I'm thinking so that, God, I can go the direction you want me to go. Listen, I spent a lot of time on this first one. Let me hit two and three real quick. It doesn't matter. Two is I simply, I can't. I can't do it. I can't go on anymore. I can't make it. I can't control myself. I can't stop. I can't go another day. I can't. You know what's funny? Here's what the Bible says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do everything, all things through Christ who gives me strength. So what do we got here? We have two completely different philosophies in this world. You have what God says and you have what man says. So let me just talk about the fruit of your mouth real quickly. Proverbs says the power of life and death is found in your tongue or in your words. It's what you speak. Uh, There's another place in Proverbs that says the wise man realizes he gets fruit from what he says and he can eat the good fruit or if he doesn't realize he'll eat the bad fruit. Jesus, in teaching about words, Matthew chapter 12, here's what Jesus teaches. Listen to this. Every word you speak, you're going to give an account of to God. Let me try this side for a second. Those guys froze like, uh. Every word you speak, you're going to give an account to God. Does that put any like... So how many of you are glad God's merciful? Any and every word. So Jesus is teaching on the context of words. And then he says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what happens in his heart when it comes out that defiles the person. So it's not what happens outside of you, but it's what happens in your heart with what happens outside of you. And then what you say about it. And then at Matthew 12, 33, so he's teaching on this whole thing with words, and then all of a sudden he just does this weirdo teaching. Make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Make the tree bad and the fruit will be bad because the tree is known by its fruit. What? Come again? What? And here's what he's saying. Everything in life, you need to look at like it's a tree that's going to bear fruit. Your marriage is a tree that will bear fruit. And what you say to it, if you were blessing it for 10 years, you're eating good fruit. But if you cursed it for 10 years, you're eating wicked fruit right now. What you think about what God thinks about you. If you've blessed that and believed it, you eat good fruit. But if you curse that, and believe that God somehow doesn't care for you or love you or treat you fairly, you eat wicked fruit. 
My name's John. I'm your pastor. I love you. It's okay. Listen to me for a moment. Make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Make the tree bad and the fruit will be bad. How do you make it good? It's by what you say, man. What your, your, your mouth, it's a river of life. We think, here's the problem. Most of us just talk and never realize what we say. We let our emotions control what we say. We let our frustration speak out. We let our doubt and our unbelief speak out. We don't speak what God says. In the Old Testament, Joshua says, I set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Isn't it amazing he connects life and death with blessing and cursing, what we speak? And then this admonition, therefore choose life. Okay, why would you have to tell someone, here's life and here's death, and by the way, don't pick death. <laughs> what? Doesn't that seem so like, do you really have to say that? What is it? Death can disguise itself so that it can deceive us. In our heart, we think this is going to be okay. It doesn't matter. And it matters. They're progressive. You're not going up, you're going down. It doesn't matter. I can't. The last one will just simply be you'll give up on God, and this is what it'll look like. God won't. God won't help me. God won't honor his word. God won't come to my aid. God won't rescue me. God won't do for me what he does for others. However you say it, it's the thought process that will go through your heart. God won't. Okay, I know this is a lot that I'm throwing at you. Probably each one was worthy of a message, maybe even a series. How about this? Disappointment is the mother of all bad theology. Disappointment is the mother of all bad theology. What do I mean by that? We look at our circumstance, our situation, the way we feel. And rather than saying, this isn't what God wants for me, what we do is we take the way we feel and try to change Scripture rather than let Scripture change us. So in other words, we'll go, you know what? So maybe God does want good things for me, but man, it ain't working out and I'm trying. So obviously God doesn't do what he says he's going to do. Disappointment with God is the mother of all bad theology. Didn't work out like it said, so I'm going to change my theology. That is such a mistake to ever say that God won't. God, the, the number one place every believer needs their mind transformed is number one, the way we think about God. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul writes, don't copy the behavior, the custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Here's God's will for your life all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for eternity. God's will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. Any other thought about God means you have messed up theology. You can be a good person and have messed up theology. Look at me real quick. Don't pull back from me right now. We're all committed deeply to hearing this. It's the number one place we need to change. My goodness, if I catch you at the place where you've just given up on God, may God today remind you he's not the God of if only. If only you hadn't given up on him. He's the God of right now if you call upon his name. If right now you'll ask him for help. Say it with me. Help me. Say it with me. Help me. What powerful words those are. Okay, I'm going to close my message with this right here. 
This is rhetorical. You don't need to. I don't want you to answer these things out loud. It's not exhaustive. It's just a few things. Here's the question. What's the real reason? What's the real reason you're moving right now? Not what you've told friends or family, but what's the real reason? Why? What's the real reason you're quitting right now? Not the one that you think, but what's the real reason you're quitting right now? What's the real reason you're divorcing right now? It's not what you told your spouse or your kids or what your friends told you, but what's the real reason? Just be honest with yourself. What's the real reason you moved in with them? We say it's because it works out better for taxes or we're just trying to figure it out, but is it really because you're afraid you'll lose them? Be honest with yourself. What's the real reason you drink so much? Do you tell people I'm genetically predisposed to it because this is what my father and my father's father did and it's all I know? In effect, here's what we're saying, I can't help myself. Or is this the real reason? You're hurt. You're angry. You're wounded. Just be honest. Because when you get honest, at least the opportunity to change it is there. And you don't even have to do anything with it. But don't lie to yourself about it anymore. What's the real reason? What's the real reason you quit going to church? Because the pastor is always up in my business every time I'm there. <laughs> What's the real reason? What's the real reason? It's a much heavier commitment than I thought it was going to be. What's the real reason we're not living in the abundant life that Jesus promised us? What's the real reason? What will you do with this? You have two choices. You can go home and push it all away and everything just stays the same. Or you could take a little time and ask the Holy Spirit, illuminate what's in my heart. And you don't need to be afraid of that process because unlike me, God is super gentle. <laughs> and God knows exactly how to go there with you as you're able to go there. And God is loving and God is merciful and God is kind and God is able. And God waits for us to say, help me. I think his power is always activated in our life, but once we say the words, help me, it opens us up. God, help me. God, be merciful to me. Oh God, I see myself. Help me. And guess what? God never goes if only. He goes right now. Reach out right now. He's so merciful to us. Right now. Lord, we love you. Father, our hearts open to you. Father, I know people hear this message at different levels in life. For some, they find themselves in that rare atmosphere where everything just seems perfect. And this message seems out of place. And I celebrate with you if you're in that place where everything just feels so perfect. 
I rejoice with you. I'm happy for you. But maybe that's not where you're at. Maybe you're hearing this message and you find yourself at that place where you realize, I've just been going through life saying it doesn't matter. How could I think like that? What happened to me? Ask God. Maybe you're at the point of just, I can't go on. Can't make it. Can't do it. May God be merciful to you right now. May the Lord extend his love to you as never before. May you feel his arms wrap around you. May you hear him say to you, you can do all things through me. Maybe I catch you at the quitting point. Maybe past the quitting point. Maybe you've just given up. Maybe you said, I don't care. Maybe you've got reality in your life that shows I've given up and I quit. Maybe it's dashed relationships. Maybe it's finances that are just, they're gone. Maybe it's hopes and dreams that you just simply, you know what, I don't care. Forget about it. You've gone a different direction. For you, I pray you would hear the Lord say to you, not if only, but right now. Even if it's a small little sliver of hope that God loves you and cares for you and extends his life to you in grace and mercy. She would reach out for that right now. So overall, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would gather us together and be merciful to all of us, wherever we are in life. That God would fill us with his love, that God would fill us with his hope, that God would fill us with his tomorrow. And we'd start where we are and just say, God, here's where I am. Let's be honest about it. Allow the Holy Spirit that place in your life. I bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church.